I know we're not supposed to sing, but I'll confess I was singing along with It Is Well With My Soul. At the end of 2020, does that song have any more meaning than it's ever had in your life? Uh, certainly not for me. Uh, that is a, a song that I requested Susie. She sent me an email and said, what songs do you want? And I requested a couple, and that was one of them. And it's so fitting for the end of 2020. Um, you know, it's been a crazy year for all of us, hasn't it? Um, I just made a list of things. Um, the COVID hit, and shortly after the COVID hit, Matt and Shannon, my son-in-law and daughter, came to us and said, would you like to move to Central Oregon? <laughs> Out of the blue, we had no idea this was coming. And uh, we we moved down to the Newburgh area to be near them and we thought, if you're moving to Central Oregon, we are too. Um, there's been nothing but housing issues since the move, and it's now starting to settle down. Um, the ground will be finally broken on a, our house. But uh, uh, And then there's there's been a, a, a Matt and Shanner in the process of adopting two little girls, and that has just strung on and on and on, and it seems to be no end to the process. Um, then the election, and then just to stand and watch the moral decay of our country um, in so many ways. It's just been a year that's been like no other in my life, and, um, and I'm glad it's over, but I also know that the flipping of the calendar doesn't change a thing. It doesn't change one single thing. It just makes us think that it changes. Um, but, you know, you could get quite depressed about this whole thing, um, but then you remember it, what God said in, to us in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you future and a hope. Do you have a hope this morning? If you confess those things that you confessed this morning, you have a hope. And that is, the, all this other stuff is minor. It's insignificant. Um, because we have a hope. Uh, I was My brother sent me for my birthday a subscription to the Epoch Times, and they had an article in there called Chin Up, Four Steps to Sanity in Crazy Times. Let me just give you a, one little paragraph. Evil times, yes, but we should be happy we live in, in these times. When else has the many meaning of life been so clear? When else has standing up for truth been so important? This is the greatest adventure in a long time. And boy, do you feel it as much as I do. The, the world is in opposition to us. And I think that's good. Finally, we have an opportunity to, to stand up in these evil times and proclaim the truth. Um, so how do we face this great, as he calls it, the great adventure? If you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, as James pointed out, the, these verses we're going to look at had five commands that Paul gives to the, the church at Corinth. And we're going to be looking at verses 13 and 14 of chapter 16 in 1 Corinthians. Now put this in context, Paul is writing to the church and he's told them, I plan to be there in the wintertime and spend the winter with you. 
Timothy's on his way um, there, and when you when he gets there, would you please make him feel at ease? He's going to be there to help in training of you know bringing you up in the word. Uh, Apollos, I know, was arranged to come to you, but he has changed his plans, and he will not be coming. So he's basically telling the church, you're on your own for a while. I can't be there yet. Timothy can't be there. And Apollos has, has, has changed his plan. This is going elsewhere. So he give, then he, after telling them all that, he gives them these verses in verses 13 and 14. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, or some of your versions might say, be courageous, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. So there's five imperatives there, five commands. Be watchful, stand firm, act like men, or be courageous, be strong, and do everything in love. So let's take a look at these one at a time and see how they apply to you and me today. Be watchful. In another place in Ephesians chapter six, I mean chapter five, excuse me, um, Paul says to the Ephesian church, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. So it's it's an imperative to us that we be watchful to what is going on around us and react in such a way that we bring glory to God. And I think, I was thinking, there's lots of things to be watchful for, and I came up with two that I think kind of encompass all of it. One of the things we have to be watchful is for, as uh, Peter tells us, uh, be sober, be mindful, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. One of the things we have to be paying attention to is the work of Satan in our culture and in our own lives. And if we think that Satan is this, you know, red-tailed, horn object that we would recognize right away and just, you know, we'd fight him. It's not that way at all. He's called an instrument of light. And he's, you know, he works in very many ways. And I thought, was thinking a couple ways that just to me have become so obvious. Most of you who know me um, know that I taught public school for 38 years. I am never, have never been so glad. To, I, I dreaded the day I retired. I loved my job. I loved it up to the last minute. And that first year of being retired was torture for me. Uh, I remember the first day back to school in 2000, in the fall of 2011, um, I told Judy, we got to get out. We were in Newbury at the time, or no, we were in Lafayette. And I said, let's go to the beach. I have to do something to take my mind off not being in school. But I'll tell you what. I, my heart goes out to all of you public school teachers. It is, the public school system is going downhill so fast in so many ways that it's just painful for me to, as an ex-public school teacher to watch. Um, Judy and I were, were burdened, and we're, I'm going to take blame for COVID here. Judy and I were burdened about our grandchildren being in public school. And so we started praying, Lord, do something to get our kid, grandkids out of public school. Not only did our grandkids get out of public school, but 
pretty much every kid in the country got out of public school in one way or another. And homeschooling has skyrocketed. Private schooling has skyrocketed um, since COVID. We, Junie and I, take that as a personal answer to prayer from God. Um, if you just look at what's going on in the public schools, and for those of you who have your children in public schools, you need to know the laws and how to protect your children from some of the evil, and I emphasize the word evil, that is being taught them and is being encouraged in the public schools. Satan is alive and well in the public schools. And you need to, uh, those of you who have children in public schools, you need to be, I'm not saying yank them all out, because I think there are ways that you can fight against the evil that's going on. But you need to be aware of the laws that will allow you to do that. Um, so that, that's one area I see Satan working. The other area I see Satan working is in the area of entertainment. What is piped into your home via cable TV or TV in general is straight from Satan. I would say, I won't give a number, but a very high percentage of it. And they are reaching out and grabbing us and our children and sucking us in. I remember many years ago, I'm not sure how many years ago, but Mike might be able to tell us. Mike stood right up here and had a pan of brownies. Anybody remember that? Raise your hand if you remember the pan of brownies. Okay. The pan of brownies, what did it represent? He said, in the process of making these brownies, and he was going to offer brownies to the, 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 the crowd here, and, and he's, in this pan of brownies, he said, I made these brownies. Oh, and by the way, just a little bit, a little bit of dog poop got in the brownie. He said, but not much. I couldn't get it out. Just a little, t- little tiny bit, you know, and cut the, it had the, now, anybody want a brownie? And that's the way I feel about the entertainment that is, you know, readily available via the phone, via the internet, via the TV. It, I'm not sure it's even a little bit now. I think it might have a little bit of brownie dough in it. And there, you know, but when we allow that into our home, and especially for our children, their young minds suck that up, and to them it's truth. It's reality. It's the way it's supposed to be. And they, if you allow that to them in their coming to their lives, it's going to influence them. It has to influence them. And it just makes it that much diff, more difficult for parents and grandparents to be an influence in their lives to change that. It's not that you can't. You certainly can. But be aware of the evil that Satan is bringing into our lives via entertainment. But the other thing that I think we need to be watchful for, one is Satan, the other thing, we need to be watchful for the workings of God. We've gone through an experience of a process with trying to build a home, and this land use group in Oregon says, no, you can't build another house on this 100 acres you've got here. Uh, You can't have another house there. And the whole process has just been just frustrating, I guess is a a mild way to put it. But in this process, I remember Shannon saying to us, God keeps slamming doors. He's telling us this is not the place. Now, we could have fought 
and you know, spent thousands of dollars with an, etern- an attorney and probably ended up losing anyway. But Shannon was the first to come up with, and, and Shannon and her husband, Matt, they said, God is slamming the doors. It's the work of God that is not allowing us to build on the farm. So we're going to have to go elsewhere. And we need to be aware that of God's working every th- in all of our daily life. The other day we were coming down the hill, down into Toppenish, and as we're coming up the hill, or coming down the hill, there's a pickup coming up the hill. I didn't see it actually start to slide, but you can see the tracks where it slid off, bounced off the guardrail, spun around, and came over into our lane. And there was a car in front of us that if they would have been one second farther down the road, they would have hit that guy. If we would have been five seconds further down the road, we would have hit him. Or actually it was a girl. But... um, not that that had anything to do with it, but um, but I at the time I remember thinking, God, why was I where exactly where I was when I was? I could have been five seconds farther down the road, and it would have been a not a very pretty scene. God is working in our daily lives all the time, and we need to be observant of that and recognize it, and thank Him for it. It's just in so many ways. Um, one way God worked in my life this morning is hearing little Aubrey sing. Of course, I still think of her as little Aubrey. She's not so little anymore. But, but you know, it, it was a blessing. And I know that it was a God-given voice speaking through words that lifted him up. God was working in our lives through Aubrey. And we need to be watchful And pay attention for when God is working in our lives, because he always is. Um, The psalmist says it best in Psalm 59, 9. He says, O my strength, I will watch for you, for you, O God, are my fortress. And then um, in Hebrews 9, 28, it reminds us of another thing we need to be watchful for, for in, in uh, watching for God's work is are you, am I, daily watching for his coming? Hebrews 9.28 says, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but those save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Or you could put the word watching in there, eagerly watching for him. He is coming, he's returning. He's coming back. And, you know, it's, I remember as a kid hearing my dad preaching in church, talking about the soon return of the Lord, and he pointed out all these things, and that was 60, 70 years ago. Um, If he was close then, he's that much closer now. And I personally need to be watching for his soon return. So we need to be aware of what's going on around us, but we also need to be aware of what's coming. And that is something that we can all look forward to. So that's the first command there. The second command says, stand firm in the faith. And when I first started preparing this sermon, I thought, okay, what is the faith that I need to stand firm in? What are the foundations of my faith that will keep me standing firm? And it starts in Genesis chapter 1. 
Do you believe, do I believe, yes I do, that God created the world and everything in it? If you believe that, then that sets up the, the, the foundation for the rest of our faith. Do you also believe that in Genesis chapter 3, that man who was living in a perfect relationship with God, had true fellowship with God, chose to turn his back on God and sin and ruined the close relationship he had? Do you believe in the fall of man? I do. I believe that Adam and Eve sinned and passed that on to you and me, and therefore I was born in sin. Do you believe, as it tells us in John chapter 1, that God sent his Son, the, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us? Just ponder that for a second. God, who existed forever, sent his Son, who existed forever, to come to earth to take on the same flesh that you and I have, that of a human being, and dwelt among us. That is mind-boggling in itself. But then we think about why did he come? And Paul summarizes that best in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. For I delivered to you as of the first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, the Christ that came to earth and took on flesh, died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scripture. Do you believe that? Is that the foundation of your faith that you stand firm on? That Christ came, died, was buried, and rose again? It has to be a foundation, doesn't it? And then finally, this verse that we all, was probably maybe the first verse we ever memorized. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes, that's you and I, if we believe in him, we should not perish but have everlasting life. Those are the foundations of my faith that I can stand firmly on. And when the world attacks me and when the world mocks God, when the world says, oh, you don't, you're science deniers and all this other stuff, I stand firm on that foundation because I know the God who I believe in and his plan for humanity. And I can rejoice in that. So stand firm in the faith. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. And the next one is act like men, or some of your versions say be courageous. So where, when Paul talks about being courageous, where does our courage come from? I think Moses, uh, he led the children of Israel through the wilderness. They've got to the door of going into the promised land, and he's at the point where he knows he's not going in. And so he's going to turn over leadership to Joshua. But he tells the people of Israel, be of strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, the people of the land. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you, and he will not leave you or forsake you. Is the God that you and I believe in any different than the God that Moses believed in? No. It's one and the same God. And if Moses could say that confidently to the children of Israel, I can say that confidently to you this morning. He will not leave you or forsake you. God will be with you. Let me, uh, let me give you two examples of people who firmly believed in their faith and stood with courage. 
One of them is a, a Russian young man by the name of Ivan Mosiev, or probably Ivan Mosiev. Uh, he was 18 years old in 1970, and he was drafted into the army. He was a Christian, and while he was in the army, he spoke out for the Lord. He shared the gospel with people. And his officers in charge over him said, you can't do that. He said, I'm sorry, I must speak out for the Lord. He ended up, two years later, being tortured to death by the very military that he had enlisted, well, he had been drafted into. But let me read to you one of his last letters he, on July 15, 1972. He wrote this to his, in a letter to his parents. I desire that all of you, dear friends, young and old, remember this one verse, Revelation 2.10. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Receive, the, receive this last letter on the earth from the least of the brethren. A few days later, his family got his coffin. It was welded shut because the government didn't want you people to know what was inside of it. His mother demanded that they open it up. His brother, who was a, a uh, member of the Communist Party, said, no, we're not going to open it up. But his mother insisted, and what they found inside was a battered, bruised, and beaten body and it had been stabbed in the heart six times. They found a man who had courage, a man who stood on the, his faith and believed that God would watch over him. You might say, well, God didn't watch over him. Yes, he did. He took him to heaven. How much more could he watch over him? And then there's the biblical example of, of uh, courage I'd like to give you. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You know those guys, right? Why is it that we call them at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Those were the, they were, I've never understood that. And because we know we don't call Daniel by his, his uh, Babylonian name, Belteshazzar. But anyway, so, so Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, uh, you know the story. They've been brought before Nebuchadnezzar and he says, Hey, come on, guys, you, you're supposed to bow down to this golden image. And just think of the courage of these young men. O oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Can you imagine standing before the king at the, and, and having the courage to say that? We don't, we, don't, we don't have to answer you. If this be our God, if you're going to throw me in the fire, if this be our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. Courage? That took courage. And the God that they worshipped is the same God that you and I worshipped. Now, in their case, God chose to rescue them. Um, will he rescue you and me in certain situations? Uh, whatever the situation we're in? Maybe, maybe not. But I do know this, whether he would, if I was being physically tortured, whether he would rescue me or not, I do know that he will give me the grace, as we heard this morning, that group saying, he will give us the grace we need to get through it. 
So, we, we said be watchful, stand firm, act like men, be courageous. The next one is be strong. You know, it takes two things to be strong. You, you see these guys who are into uh, power lifting? There's, there's two things that you need to be strong. One of them is nutrition, and the other is resistance work. Um, so what is the nutrition that you and I need to be strong? Well, uh, in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, when Paul is explaining the, the uh, putting on the armor of God, the first one he says is, Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. That's the first one. That's why it is so important uh, that tie it and drive, continue, as I'm, I know it always will, continue to teach the Word of God. Not deliver these little messages that, you know, go run here and there, but to teach consistently through the Word of God. And it seems like I often get invited to come and speak on special things, like this one is a New Year's, supposed to be a New Year's message, and I... I always kind of go, oh, I would rather be teaching through the path, you know, consistently through the passages like you've been going on. But, but for today, we're talking about facing the future and facing what God has for us. And so nutrition, we need to be in God's word. We need to have a constant feeding of solid teaching and get the nutrition we need to stand strong. And then we also need conditioning. Um, each of us has received a gift, as Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. If you're not using your gift, you're not getting strong and stronger. You're not working against the resistance that Satan is going to throw at you if you use your gift. I guarantee it. If you start to use your gift and to minister to the body, Satan will work against you but God will give you the strength. Even youths faint and be, and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. God has promised us that he will give us the strength we need to do the things that he has appointed us to do. So the first four are all commands that, of things that we need to do. And the last command, as we read about uh, in the responsive reading, and thank you, James, or whoever organized that, I appreciate it. Um, all these things we need to do in love. Um, another place Paul says, Above all things put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And then, of course, there's the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. Let me just read you the first three verses and point out something that just smacked me upside the head. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong and a, or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and I, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, 
I gain nothing. Do you notice not having love doesn't diminish your gift? It eliminates it. Let me say that again. Not having love doesn't diminish your gift. It eliminates it. If you don't do these things in love, you're wasting your time. For example, being watchful. How do I be watchful in love? What's the purpose of being watchful? Well, I think of, you know, as I watch the evil world around me, who am I protecting by being watchful? It's, it's done, that watchfulness should be done out of love for, well, if you're an elder of this assembly, for the love of this assembly. If you're a parent, it's done out of love for your children. If you're a grandparent, it's out of love for your children and your grandchildren. Being watchful is done for the very purpose of love. You want to love and protect those that, that, uh, that are special to you and, and are part of your family, whether it be your spiritual family or your physical family. Standing firm. How do you do that? What's the purpose of standing firm? The purpose of standing firm is to be an encouragement to those around us who may, not be, who may be struggling at standing firm. If I stand firm to demonstrate God's love for them and for those around me, I'm doing it out of love. I'm not just standing up to beat somebody down and, you know, be, oh, I'm, I'm right on this. No, it's done to encourage them to stand firm also in their faith. Courage. When I read those stories of courage, like the, that Russian martyr, and when I pick up the uh, Voice of the Martyrs magazine every month when it comes, and it just, it, it's a great encouragement to me because those people have courage. And they will all say, if you read, when you read their story, why do they have courage? Because they understand that the gift that God has given to them and their suffering is minor compared to that. It's out of their love for God. So our, even our courage can demonstrate love. And being strong, it's not to beat down other people. It's to lift them up. We lift them up in love. So all these things, if you don't have love, forget the first four commands. You're wasting your time. But if done in love, can bring honor and glory to the Lord. So as we face this new year coming up, we need to remember these commands and not be victims of our society and our culture and our health. We're not victims. We are standing firm in, in our faith. We're being watchful. We're being courageous. We're being strong, and we're doing it all in love because of what God has done for us. Let's close in prayer. Lord, I thank you that you are a God of love. And your ultimate love for us was demonstrated on the cross. And I just pray as we face this new year coming up, that um, we will honor you and your love by standing firm, by being watchful, by being courageous, by being strong, and doing all of those in love so that we can share the true gospel of your love for the world around us. We pray these things now in your name. Amen.